Welcome into the uh, On Texas Football Friday live stream. My name is Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas. Today, it's Ian Boyd with me of Inside Texas. Bobby Burton is uh, traveling to Austin today, so uh, we're going to fill in for him, or we're missing our uh, third, let's say that. Um, Ian, a uh, big day for you. Is the Christmas tree up? The spring game's a day away. This is your second Christmas, right? Oh, it's pretty great. I hope um, I hope that the broadcast catches a little more of the action this year. The football this year? The actual football? <laughs> Remember last year when uh, – they came back from break and they're like, oh, so Quinn Ewers threw an interception. <laughs> yeah, thanks. See that a little more cleanly. <laughs> yeah. um, well, again, Ian Boyd with me, Jerry Hamilton today on the Longhorn live stream. Bobby Burton is in Austin um, and we'll, uh, we'll be taking it from here. We're going to take a lot of questions today. We're going to talk uh, football, obviously spring game. We're going to hit on recruiting, big visit weekend. Talk a little basketball as well, portal season. You know, portal basketball and football are about to hit. The portal football window opens tomorrow as well until April 30th. So it's going to be portal in both sports, portal madness as we call it here coming up. Before we get going, I want to take a second for our great sponsor today, Andy Ludicky. Are you looking to diversify? You may be someone like me that has their hands in multiple businesses. Well, Andy can help you diversify by finding you businesses that fit your time allotment and financial goals. Call him or email him to learn more. He's got a really cool process. Our own Bobby Burton did it himself. That's Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Again, thank you to Andy Ludicky for being a longtime uh, sponsor of this show, the Friday Longhorn live stream. So thank you, Andy, and uh, everybody listening here. Give Andy a call or email him there on the screen. Uh, so, again, spring football game tomorrow. We've all been waiting on this. Ian, uh, we have a bunch of questions we'll get to. I want to start with you, though. Overall, kind of what are you looking for tomorrow? Maybe something offense, something defense. I'm going to be looking at, you know, what, what do the quarterbacks do? What do they even ask them to do? You don't really know before going into the game if they're just going to, like, run the ball and, and be vanilla or if they're sometimes in spring games, they throw the ball like 50 times, you know, yeah. um, and then how do they throw it? So the, I, it's, it's going to depend on what exactly they show us, but I'm going to look to see where the quarterbacks are at with whatever they do. And then I'm just going to look for, you know, the one-on-one -on -one matchups that you can watch on tape. Like what happens when Ethan Burke goes up against, you know, Christian Jones, what happens when he goes up against, Whoever else they have out there to tackle, Neto, you know, Cam, whatever. And just try to just try to get a feel for where some of those different guys are up front. By the way, for those of uh, you have not checked the weather in Austin tomorrow, it's going to almost be a September game. The high is 92 tomorrow. I mean, so, wow. I mean, that's like <laughs> it's a high of 92 tomorrow for the spring game. So that's going to be very interesting because these guys have not been – practicing in 90 degree weather so uh yeah for me you know it's interesting because i think obviously the second watch is always better for you ian right when you can sit there and go play by play really break it down for me tomorrow i'm looking really for the running back position you know when you have these media windows to short choice has them going through drills they may run a few routes but you get to see nothing right tomorrow is almost like the running back and linebacker day for me you know, so it's Cedric Baxter, Savion Red, right? The two names people really want to see at running back tomorrow. Obviously, Jonathan Brooks, but he's limited. Uh, Jaden Blue will get more of his first action. Um, but see what Cedric Baxter, right? The number one running back in the country looks like here 
uh, in live game action and how much they put on this plate tomorrow. Do they test him in pass pro? Do they get him out into a route or two? Or is it just a, a few handoffs really to get his feet wet? I tend to think they're going to throw the kitchen sink at him tomorrow. And then the linebackers, Anthony Hill, Leona LaFowl, uh, David Binda, who's been getting a lot of good reviews and practice reports. Does that translate to the game where it never has translated for him before? Those are the kind of things for me, Ian, it's, it's you know, we see enough in the media windows that we kind of see the wide receivers, what they look like, what do they look like sticking their foot in the ground and, and, and creating separation, how the quarterback's throwing it, how comfortable is Arch Manning from day one, and those things, what does Malik Murphy look like now that he's back? Uh, but so for me, it's really those positions. It's almost like the Under Armour camps in a way. You know, you go, you see the wide receiver DB one-on-one matchups. You see the OLDL one-on-one matchups. And what you see less is running backs and linebackers because camps and the non-contacts really aren't their thing. So I, I, I'm excited to see what the running back room and linebacker room looks like tomorrow. Do you know if they're going to let them tackle the running backs or the linebackers going to tackle the running backs? I do think they are. I could be mistaken, but I do think they are. I, I, th- I do think they're going to take them to the ground tomorrow. That'll be a lot more instructive, right? Than yeah. If they, you know, thud. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. simply on red, that, that may be where he stands out. He's going to run I – know, I know this. He's going to run angry tomorrow. <laughs> I we, Anybody that knows him, been around, talked to his high school coach and stuff, he's going to run with a little passion and physicality tomorrow. So I'm I'm very much looking forward to that. And as much as I'm watch, waiting to see what he looks like, I want to see if Jaden Blue is going to step up physically as a running back because I, I think that's huge for him. Uh, you know Cedric Baxter is. You know Savion Red is. You know Jonathan Brooks will. Is Jaden Blue going to match those guys' physicality at running back position? If he does, he has a chance to ascend. If he doesn't, he's going to get lost in the shuffle pretty quick, in my opinion. Uh, so let's take some questions, and we're going to start with that one. How many touches must Blue get to not transfer tomorrow? Um, that's a great question, and I'm not hearing anything that he's definitely out the door right now. He's been getting a lot of first, second-team reps all spring. Um, I think the main thing with Jay, uh, with uh, Blue is – is, is what I just said. I mean, has he ran physical in the team settings to where it's going to carry over tomorrow and you see that with more opportunities for him? Um, because I really think, you know, I don't want to say it's put up or shut up time for him. We kind of talked about it's now or never for guys like Benda, Alfred Collins, Keaton Crawford, a few guys like that. I kind of think it is for Blue too because what he if he starts to fall behind – Baxter in red, then it's done for him, barring major injuries. So I I don't know what you think, Ian, but he needs to really show up tomorrow. Unless he's willing to uh, move out to slot receiver where there could be an opening with Brennan Thompson in the portal. Right. That's true. I I have no idea how amenable he is to that. I would guess not. Not very. (laughs) (laughs) Not very. But he's, hey, but I'll say this, and we've talked about it before. I hope he gets a couple chances in the passing game. Uh, because Jaden Blue has as good a he has as soft and natural of hands at the running back position as I've seen in my years doing this. I, I mean, he it, it's like it's like, and I'm not comparing him as a player, but Alvin Kamara was similar like that. When you just had him in a camp setting and you just watched him catch a football, you're like, this is this is wide receiver stuff here. You know, it's not really running back stuff. He's got great hands. I mean, really natural hands, catches it in traffic. I hope Blue gets opportunities in the passing game tomorrow because I think he can excel there especially with the quarterback talent texas uh joel mcwaters preaches sometimes this is a good one for you Ian, and i'll follow up 
Which team needs to do better tomorrow, offense or defense? Uh, for what? You know, like to impress the recruits that are there, uh, to make fans feel better. I, I don't know that it super matters. I, I would, I guess, you know, it, it'd be really good if Quinn Ewers had a good day. Agreed. So AD I guess that's a good day. Yeah. Offense in general. I think yeah. we, I think we kind of know that the defense will be good next year. I think there's probably fewer question marks there. The offense, you have these pieces laid out that make all this sense with like star receiving tight end, senior slot receiver, Mitchell, Naor, worthy outside. And then it's can Quinn Ewers maximize it or not. So let me ask you something, man. How much, because it's normally running backs, right? When Ricky Williams was there, nobody could tackle him, right, in practice. And, and, and he still ran over people. They weren't supposed to tackle him. How much would you let Jatavion play tomorrow? Because I, here, here's my thing. I think you got to let him play a little bit. But, like, he's a guy that you have to keep healthy on this team. Else it really changes what they do. Yeah. Probably not that much. I wouldn't either. <laughs> let I mean, him get a couple catches and move on out over to the sidelines if you lose sanders you become uh like by default you become kind of a running team overnight yeah because you're gonna have to play a lot of snaps with helm and then whoever the best blocker is or else you become like an air raid team and you're just yeah. playing like four receivers or one day just, yeah i there's he doesn't need to play too much Although yeah, when he, i was looking at the spring game earlier this week i was like yeah that's the one guy I wouldn't play much. I just wouldn't play him much. Uh, we felt that way about Bijan heading into – definitely heading into 2022, but I think into 2021 as well. And then they they yeah. had Casey hand him the ball like 20 times. Right. Was like, what are we doing here? <laughs> Why is this happening? Exactly, exactly. Um, recruiting question here, Rodolfo. Why hasn't Texas offered Taz Williams? Um, Taz Williams, obviously sophomore receiver out of Red Oak. Um, yeah, I think that's 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 where these spring evaluation period offers are going to happen in that class. Uh, Chris Jackson will be out. Texas staff's out on the road starting Monday. The actually the, the window for the evaluation period begins April fifteenth and goes through May thirty first. But most coaches are going to take this week and they either have spring games this week or through next week and have a spring game on the 22nd. So you'll see the Texas coaches on the road next week. And, and I think this is important. It's a good question. I wanted to cover this because, you know, Chris Jackson came in post-signing day, right? I mean, came in a little later from the NFL. Um, he's made some evaluations in the 24 class, and I think that board is shifting and adjusting as they head out to evaluate some some of those guys. And I think the offers that are going to pop in 2025 at multiple positions, but really with the new coaching staff edition, Chris Jackson are going to be interesting. You know, he'll be through Red Oak uh, to take a look at Taz Williams and as talented as he is, I'm guessing he'll, he'll be offered pretty quickly by Texas uh, is my guess. But the question, why haven't they offered? I don't think Chris Jackson's had a chance to evaluate a lot of these guys in person. And I think he wants to do that coming up here, April 15th through May 31st. Uh, Peyton, Peyton Ross, good question here. Could we see Anthony Hill in a similar role as Micah Parsons? This is all you, Ian. Uh, no, I don't think so. Not this year. I mean, down the line, I don't know. Um, <laughs> that's tough. I mean, the, the thing with Micah Parsons is, like, they move him around a lot, yes. right? 
So they blitz him from different angles. I there are there are guys in college that get used like that. Uh, Colin Oliver at Oklahoma State. A lot of the guys under Jim Knowles have been used that way. It's just a little. I mean, Micah Parsons is like an elite, one of the best football players in the NFL. He'd be a Hall of Fame player, right? Yes. Yeah. So that just gives you a little bit of pause. Well, so so here's my question: In when if Anthony Hill looks really good tomorrow, just rushing the passer naturally. Yeah, yeah. Do you think? Do you think that role expands for him heading into next year? If they really like what they see, and then they're like, "Okay, this guy can handle this," does his role expand next year? Maybe where they move him around a little bit, or is he just too young? Is that an experience thing? I think it just depends on what. Where does he excel as a pass rusher? Like they've been using him at Sam some in the in the spring, just to kind of get his feet wet because that's kind of an easier position. Um, you can blitz off the edge. So LSU did that last year with Harold Perkins. Yes, exactly. If you watch Harold Perkins, he had like seven sacks last year. But if you watch all the sacks, at least at least half of them come when he's spying. When he and or like a couple when he comes off the edge and no one picks him up because he's right. so fast. When teams knew where he was coming and they blocked him. He was erased because he's too little. Probably probably why they moved him the inside backer, right? Yeah. So Anthony Hill, like, wh- what does this pressure look like? Is he really good at blitzing? Or can he, like, Banks and Jones know he's coming and he beats them, you know? Right. That's I, the I, don't, I don't know what that looks like for him yet. I know he blitzed on the edge at, uh, at Ryan a lot last year. But usually in, like, a – I don't know. I don't know how he looks as like a pure edge. You know where he's going to be pass rusher. Mm-hmm. I, he'll definitely blitz a lot in his future. But is he like a guy that is a primary pass rusher? I, I don't know without seeing what it looks like for him to go, you know, up against one of those guys. Yep. Yep. Again, Jerry Hamilton here of Inside Texas is a Friday a Longhorn live stream on Texas football, the end Boyd of Inside Texas. Here's a good question from Ryan. Uh, thank you to Ashton Holloman, by the way, for that super chat. Um, and here's the question. Jerry, are you taking the over or the under that Anthony Hill plays 90% of the time on defense this year? I'm taking the under. He's a freshman. I mean, I 90%, that's a lot of snaps. Um, I, I'm definitely taking the under because he is such a young football player. But I will say this. If he ends up playing 90% of the snaps, you have another Kelvin Banks on your hand. You have another first-round pick. If a guy comes in and plays that much, and to your point, uh, Ian, Harold Perkins didn't play 90% of the snaps last year for LSU. It took him a few games before they really started to use him. If Anthony Hill comes in rocking it from game one, then he's going to be a first-round pick, barring injury. That's just the way this stuff goes. That'll probably also depend on um, how Mo Blackwell looks. Yeah. And certainly, I'm not saying he would enter the portal, but you know, any backup you wonder in the in the portal season, as long as Blackwell is playing well and he's on the depth chart, then that's kind of competition both at Will and Sam, where Hill could could get on the field. So, I easy under unless yeah. unless that guy were to be injured or to leave or something. Yeah, easy under for me as well. All right, so Ryan, question: What position groups at Texas are not the best in the conference? And where does Texas place in those position groups? So not best in the conference. Edge, obviously, they're not the best in the conference at edge. Um, 
I would say they're probably not the best in the conference at running back due to youth. But yeah. I think talent-wise, they may be. Yeah. I well, I want to see how Brooks looks running inside. You know, yeah. that was going to be one of the things that was going to be interesting in the Alamo Bowl. And then they kept giving it to Keelan on like third and one. So we did. And then we, and then we realized later Brooks is injured, and that's why that happened. <laughs> so we didn't get yeah. to see that. We didn't get to, yeah. Um, I probably edge, although, I mean, the, the rest of the league got gutted by the draft. So it's, it may not be, if Sorrell is really good this year, it may not be as big a golf as it, as you would think. Um, maybe, I mean, maybe interior of the offensive line. I mean, yeah. Although <laughs> the places where they don't weren't the immediate places that I think of. And then I think about, they're usually spots where the rest of the league isn't really like, right. Um, like interior line is not like a hallmark of the Big Twelve. No, um, the whole Big Twelve, like the best offensive lines in the Big Twelve, is usually like a future NFL guard at left tackle. Yes, and then four guys that you would never want to play in the SEC. You know. So let's 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 go this way. What positions do we think Texas is best at the Big Twelve in? Um, wide receiver. They're going to be up there. I, that's, I agree. That's actually meaningful because the Big 12 is really good at wide receiver generally. Yes. Uh, tight end. Question, no question. Just for Javian Sanders alone. Defensive tackle, although the league is actually surprisingly stout there this year. A um, couple, couple schools found some 340-pound behemoths under rocks, and it, yeah. the league actually looks kind of tough there. Inside linebacker probably, as good as anybody, best. And as good as anyone, maybe yeah. better. Well, yeah. I guess because Bend accounts there, we don't really know exactly what. Uh, cornerback is probably the one where they are miles ahead. Yeah. I think I think they have four or five guys that most teams would build their secondary around. No corner. question. So uh, that'd be the, that'd be the big one. And if Catalan's healthy, safety can maybe competes with people with Jaron yeah. Thompson, Catalan building a little more depth there. And offensive um, tackle too. Oh, no doubt. They are, yeah. I mean, you might have a legit two two NFL draft picks. Whether Jones plays tackle or guard, one's right. a first rounder, and then you have a potential All American. So that's what we got for you on that one, Ryan. Um, again, Jerry Hamilton here. Um, we're about to get the Aloha Traveler there for that uh, super chat. Thank you. Uh, Jerry Hamilton with Ian Boyd, both of Inside Texas here on the Friday Longhorn live stream presented by Andy Ludicky. We'll uh, get to Andy Ludicky again here shortly. Uh, but that super chat question, if we could bring that one back up. Hey, guys, it's time to start freaking out about this basketball roster. Seems like Texas now needs four plus level players in the portal. Um, I know Ian's gonna I got a couple of questions. So I, Ian, I'll let you ask what you were gonna ask me, what we kind of talked about before the show, and then I'll kind of get into Aloha Traveler and that answer. And somebody else had asked about Max Admus, which I'll get into as well. Yeah, I thought that I was wondering if this would be just a good place to jump off into this. So I I'm like a casual Texas basketball fan observer. Here's what I know about the team next year. Brock Cunningham's on the team. He'll be there. Dylan DeSue is probably on the team, but he just got hurt. I don't know how long-term that was. Um, they just lost their five-star point guard because he's going the Lamelo ball route, and he's going to go play in Australia for money. 
Um, did Rowan Broombell transfer? He transferred out to Georgetown. So he's gone. So Alex Anamakwe, Alex Anamakwe is the other one who's going to be a really good player. Just it was a, They took as a developmental guy, but he's got a chance to be really good. So those are your guys right now. <laughs> those are the only guys on the roster. Everybody else is – Tyrese Hunter's in the draft maintaining – Dylan Mitchell's in the draft maintaining eligibility. I'll be surprised if he comes back, guys. I just, I'll be surprised. Aterio Moore's gone. Um, so, yeah, to that point, let's start with Max Athens. The, the the guard from Oral Roberts. Um, can, can you can you real quick just Dylan Mitchell? So he's he's either in a, he's either NBA or Portal is what you're saying. I think NBA or G League. I mean, I just don't. I, I haven't heard anything to suggest he's really legitimately coming back. Um, and look, no matter what, here's the thing about the NBA draft. I, I tell people is <clears throat> no matter what people thought of him on the floor this year. All he needs is a promise as, as a 50th ranked player and go to, you know, in the 50th pick in the draft and, and go develop in the G League. And, you know, that's probably the route that goes. And, and I see his upside as being that guy that gets drafted. And, and here's why. And I could be wrong, but here's why. His upside is really, really high. Um, his basket basketball is five years, six years out in front of him. Two, but what he did at Texas this year that I think is – the the NBA people are really going to like about him is he was a great teammate and he showed that he could be a fifth scoring option on a team, right? He showed that he could play hard um, and be a good teammate at a young at a young guy. As a young guy, I was, I've always said about him, he kind of carries himself like a professional early age. I think those things, the off the court, um, everything about how hard the kid works, Everybody's going to look at 4.3 points, 3.9 rebounds. What's this guy doing? Nobody's going to draft him. Not so fast. I could see him getting picked up in the second round because I think his upside is that of an NBA player. He's also that, that kind of position, those six, seven wings with athleticism. Yep. Those guys never, ever get maximized in college. Never. They never. always have all the success in the NBA, and you're like, where was that? And you're like, yep. well, it was 2-3 zoned into yep. oblivion. So, right. Uh, and, and, and and look, he came into a team with, you know, Marcus Carr, Tyrese Hunter, Timmy yes. Allen, Jabari Rice. I mean, you're you're the fifth scoring option at best. Sometimes you're, you're the fifth scoring option every time you're on the floor. They're not going to run sets for you. You're not going to run plays for you. So you're pretty much getting everything off a of transition offensive rebound alley back backside alley. So I think he's got a little more game than what he showed this year. For instance, if he had gone somewhere where it wasn't an experienced team. I bet he averages 10 and 6, 10 and 5. And people are looking at him different just from a stat standpoint. But I think it would still be the same prospect. He might have just developed a little bit more. He had more mid-range game. I actually think the guy would have shot 30% from three if he was allowed to shoot the ball. Um, I saw it enough in the summer. But that's just not the team this was. So Max Admus, um, before we get back to spring football. That's the top portal target, right? Yeah, Oral Roberts guard who's averaged 21 a game for four years in college basketball to Oral Roberts. He's a high-level scorer of the basketball. Here's the thing. Jerome Tang, he's the number one guy at Kansas State, too. He's visiting Kansas State this weekend. I think he comes to Texas next week. It's a battle. Some people put in crystal balls, picks for Texas. I can tell you from the Texas side, they don't think it's done. And obviously, he's going to Kansas State this weekend. That's a big recruitment for both. Texas and K-State, somebody's going to go down to their next option after this recruitment. 
Um, and he's a kid from Dallas Jesuit. The interesting thing with Abmas to consider is I actually said this on a thread on Inside Texas. His head coach, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, his head coach at Oral Roberts was Paul Mills, who just took the Wichita State job. He was on the Baylor staff with Tang. They're pretty tight. So does Paul Mills help Tang here? You know, he was at Baylor. Is he helping Tang? Is he not helping? We'll see, right? I mean, him and Tang are tight. I'm yeah. not saying why a decision would be made, but that's just all the dots you have to connect in the portal day and age, right? But then some people come back and say, well, Russ Springman is part of that recruitment. Russ was assistant at Texas and now the head coach at Oral Roberts. Sure, Paul Mills was the head coach, so he had a little more power. <laughs> does uh, does this reflect what they feel about Tyrese Hunter coming back? No, they want Tyrese Hunter back. And Max, Max is separate from Tyrese Hunter. I do think that's a great question because – they're both smaller. Let's say they get Admas. Let's say they get two other guards from the portal. Does Hunter look at that situation and say, I was just in this situation. This doesn't benefit me to come back. I'll just go try my hand in the G League. That's what's always interesting about the portal. Now, if Tyrese Hunter was testing the NBA draft waters and there were two high school guards coming in, he doesn't care. But if Max Admin has two other guys who have started 70 games in college basketball jump in, that's pretty much just the situation he was in. So does it benefit him to come back when Max Admus is going to run the team just as much as he does? So I think that I think that that's I think that could play in the Tyrese Hunter uh, is where Texas goes in the portal and how they do. Um, look, in Caden Shedder, Texas feels pretty good about him. He was supposed to visit the 18th. He had a little medical procedure, very minor. So he's bumped back his visits a couple of weeks. Uh, but Texas, Missouri, there was visits got bumped back. I don't think he's a lock to go to Duke. I will say that. Um, at all. So I think Texas is a pretty good spot there. There's a six, four, five guard I'm not going to name right now that I think there's a chance he's on campus early next week and he's a really good player, but I, I got to keep that one quiet for now. So they're going after their top targets. And I, I think the interesting thing from a basketball perspective before we jump back into spring football is it's people, it's almost like people just want to see a couple of guys commit just to have guys on the board, right? Um, and when Beard was hired, they did that. They took Dylan Askew. They took a couple of guys really quick, and then better players jumped in the portal. Well, Rodney was on that staff. Ogden was on that staff. They're going to exercise patience because they want fits. They don't want to just have a paper team. They want to fits on this team, um, and they want to continue the culture they have. They want to keep building this the right way. I think it's going to be some tense times. <laughs> You know, but the portal window doesn't close till, close till May 11th. More guys are going to jump in the portal. Um, so I, I think they're going to be patient with this. I think they're going to need to get five, six guys out of the portal. Um, it, it, to, to, I think they hit 11 scholarships. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Um, again, Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas, Ian Boyd of Inside Texas. is a Friday Longhorn live stream. Get back to those spring game and recruiting questions. Let me say, uh, though, as a, as a more casual basketball guy for college, I enjoyed watching the last two years of portal teams yep. more than the one-and-done teams of the late Rick Barnes era. Because at yep. least with the portal teams, you may not have as much connection to the players, but at least at least they know how to play college basketball. Well, that's a great point. And, look, I think the days of one-and-done teams winning national championships is long gone. Duke, yeah. Duke has much more NBA talent than Tennessee. And Tennessee got them into an MMA match and beat the crap out of them. Physically. Yeah. And Duke's guys are all going to be drafted in the first and second round. But in that game, it looked like JV versus varsity scrimmage physically. And I think that's where college basketball is at. I think UConn, 
I love the Villanova model, and I love kind of what UConn did with this model, even though, you know, I don't think they're a great team. They're a good team. You don't lose seven games in the Big East and lose to Shaka twice and be a great team. They were a good team. UCLA was injured. Texas was injured. Things kind of fell their way, but they still won the title. They had four kids from high school ranks that played key roles. None of them were ranked top 20 in the country. They were all ranked 40 to 75. They're all going to play pro basketball, but they're two, three-year guys. And then they mixed the portal talent around it. So they're always an experienced team and help those guys develop. I think that's the ticket college basketball. Jay Wright was doing that before the portal got big. He didn't play the one and done game like Coach K, that trap he fell into when Cal was dominating basketball. Jay Wright stuck to kind of what UConn's doing now, cut down the nets twice. He was an experienced team with guys that were there two, three, four years. I still think that I think that's the ticket moving forward in college basketball. I really do. So we'll see. Uh, because the best, guys, the best guys aren't going to college anymore. It's not with the G League, not with the money being thrown around. The, these Anthony Davises, I mean, look at AJ Johnson now. AJ for the fa- Texas fans, the casual fans are on in, inside Texas, and you should be. AJ Johnson's decision was actually a little simpler. Um, he didn't want to go to school. Period. He didn't want to take. He didn't want to go to college classes. He didn't, he doesn't like school now. He just doesn't want to be a student. And he is a good, he is a talented enough player that he's going to make a lot of money and he never has to go to a class. And there are going to be a lot of guys like that with the money that's going around now. Um, but he's also signed with Jalen Greed's agency. So he's going to be really taken care of endorsement wise, plus the Australian contract, whatever that is. Uh, so, but he just didn't want to go to class. When, when Rodney Terry and the Texas staff went out there a couple of weeks ago, they asked him, he said, I just don't really want to go to school, man. <laughs> so it it was just a matter of making that final decision. So that's what happened with A.J. Johnson. Um, I didn't want to go to class either. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. But, you know, we weren't six, six point guards, right? We weren't Tyree's second coming of Tyree's Halliburton. Yeah. Um, Brett Nelson, thank you for that super chat. Gun to your head. How many regular season wins this year? I'm at 10. Yeah. I think uh, actually I think they can beat Alabama, but it's in, it's in Tuscaloosa. That's like a, I don't know, 50, 50, 40, 60, something like that. And then this, the big 12 slate, if they lose more than one game, that's really not that great. So I, I'm 10 with, I think 10 is kind of the floor, but I don't much more than that. I don't, I don't, I don't I wouldn't want to say right now. Yeah, yeah, I don't I, like somebody on inside Texas saying, "Well, this is the year Texas will start blowing out opponents." I'm like, "Look, this isn't Georgia, okay? Texas 2023 is not 2023 is not Georgia where they're going to walk out on the field and guys are going to look at them and say, "These are the biggest guys I've ever played against," and they're physically going to whip you with a suffocating defense. That's not what this is. Texas is still in the building stages, um, and they're not going to suffocate people defensively and get into those blowout type of games very often. I just don't see it. I, I think a 10-2 and two regular season, I think that is the trajectory that Texas needs. 5-8 to eight to 10, playing the Big 12 championship game, maybe win it, get to a New Year's Six. That's the trajectory Sarkeesian in this program needs to be on this year. I'm not putting it at 12-0. and 0. I don't think that's realistic. I know what TCU did last year. It can happen. I'm just not there yet. Um, that was a very, very experienced football team that TCU had. Uh, Ronnie Blunson here. Thank you for the super chat. Was the cruise was the cruise of both of you doing now always a path y'all wanted, or was there a different path? That's interesting. Go ahead, Ian. I'll answer this one second because I had no other choice. It's the only thing I'm good at. <laughs> <laughs> that um, 
definitely always the path I wanted. I, when I was like a kid, I would tell my parents I wanted to be an analyst on ESPN. Um, YouTube, you know, six of one, half a dozen of the other. <laughs> YouTube wasn't a thing yet. So pretty much, yeah. Now it's not the path I've necessarily always been on or there was always a path that was obviously going to work. But uh, yeah. It, yeah, it wasn't like I didn't fall into it. Yeah. Like, I guess. Yeah. So for me, you know, people don't know my dad was a high school football coach for 40 years in Texas. Um, I love basketball as a high schooler. I love basketball, but I grew up football. I I grew up ball boy on the sidelines in Nacogdoches, Texas, passing Adobe uh, in the Astrodome in a playoff game against the uh, against Conroe McCullough at the time and, and Dallas Cowboys, the old uh, stadium. Um, I grew up around this going to scout games on Friday with my dad, watching Casey Hampton go from – a 260-pounder to a 310-pounder and still the best D lineman I've ever seen play high school football. Watching David Warren, uh, all these guys, North Shore, the Cedric Cormiers versus Sean Rogers at Laporte, uh, Corey Reddings, Joe Walker. I, that's This is how I grew up. Um, I grew up Friday Night Lights is what I grew up. And so this is really kind of probably what I'm supposed to be doing, um, whether that's on the football side, basketball side, whatnot. Um, and I've always had a always had a love for this because I think the recruiting process is not as much fun anymore to cover, honestly. But I will say this: um, the talent is getting better and better, uh, and they're just more developed because of the specialized training. Uh, guys are bigger, stronger, and faster now than they ever have been, and that's in every sport. Uh, that's pro golf. Look at the swing speeds these guys have now. So everything is advancing. Um, so maybe the recruiting process isn't as much fun as when you started this, like Ian, when Bobby started before I did. And when I came along, it was December, January visits and suspense to signing day. That's why you remember the old Jerry Scarborough one nine hundred or lines that people would call and get their uh, recruiting scoop all the way up to signing day. That was really fun football recruiting. It's not really like that anymore, but the, this is a great industry to work in. So thank you very much, Ronnie, for that question. Um, Ashton Holm, another super chat. How many current Texas players will be invited to an NFL combine for the 2024 draft? I think this is a great question. Guys, we're going to get to some more of those questions. We still have a good 20 minutes on here. Uh, what do you got any thoughts on that, Ian? That's the one after this one. So that's correct. Okay. Sanders will be there. Um, yep. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Jones will be there. Christian uh, Jones? Yeah. 
I'm just going through the offense. Quinn Ewers, decent chance Quinn Ewers is there. Um, potentially Mitchell. One of Mitchell or Whittington would probably make it, at least one of those guys. Worthy. Maybe, yes, Worthy will be there. Nayor could be there. Yep. Um, I, I mean, look, here's, here's Jill, the reality. It's here's a lot. The reality. Here's the reality. If Jonathan Brooks goes for 1,200 yards this year, he probably should go. <laughs> you know, I mean, if he has one of those seasons, you yeah. know, probably should go. Um, so that's we a lot. Of- defense. We're getting to like 12 guys, which, which seems high. but Seems high because we're counting on guys, to, every guy to come out early that could come out early. Yeah. Um, so, so, but well, let's, if, if half of those guys come out early, you're looking at nine, 10 guys next year. I mean, you know, Sweat's going to be there. If Alfred Collins plays well, he's gonna be there. Um, he's just a com. He's an he's more of an NFL developmental guy than a college football player uh, in a lot of ways. Um, Lots of Holmes could potentially be there. Jalen Ford. Jalen Ford will be there. Yeah. So I mean that that we're getting up there in numbers pretty quickly here. So um, you know any edge guys probably not this year. Um, Maybe Jaron. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. I mean that's a. Uh, that's a healthy number. The most Texas will have had in many years. I'll say that. And that's a number that Steve Sarkeesian will smile about. And the Texas media uh, people on social media will do cartwheels covering. Uh, so uh, for Texas fans, let's hope that's the case. Um, here's a question from David Williams. I'm interested to see where De- Darian Gillette plays. As a recruit, I'd hoped he played linebacker. With the ongoing issues at edge, I think he's needed more there. He requires a lot of weight strength gains, though. I I, I think Darian Gillette, and I know you watched him as well, Ian. I think Darian Gillette's a fascinating prospect in a lot of the ways McDonald is because they're such great athletes. They're top three, 4% athletes pound for pound in the country. But they've never really locked into a position. So then you have to, one, learn the position and go from thinking to playing fast. And then two, maybe more importantly, is the physicality required on a snap-to-snap basis on defense, to, especially going in. These guys are going to play in the SEC. I mean, so the snap-to-snap defensive physicality needed. I think that's what makes Darian Gillette such a fabulous, fascinating prospect. I hear his, his knee is coming back just on on schedule, a little ahead of schedule. He wears a big brace. He's in, he's in pads at workouts or he's in uh, shorts and shirt. Doesn't do anything, obviously. But he is coming back on uh, progressing well or a little ahead. So I don't know what your thoughts on Darren Gillette are, Ian. I would guess Edge. Well, because he was, wasn't he like 220, 225 already? Yeah. And, and he, frame, can go, he can be 255 with that frame. Yeah. I think he'll end up there. I, you know, there was a, that Florida State kid that they were looking at in the portal. Um, it's really hard to know what guys, we'll end up like that guy. So that guy is like fluid, good athlete, stout against the run, but just does not have the twitch and the bend as a pass rusher. Right. Um, right. They, they, they might take him and he might start because he would help them in run defense. But it's hard to know with these guys that are like positional moves. Direction. <laughs> if they're going to be pass rushers or not, because it's right. just such a, you can look the part at that position and some guys, and then another guy doesn't look the part and he gets to the quarterback. Yeah. 
So there's I, a there's a definitely a natural element to that, like a running back instinctively to me is a natural just ability to get to the quarterback. You can teach it, you can maximize it, but I think like when Terrence Cooks went through spring practice at Texas before he transferred to TCU, there was a lot of talk that he was naturally one of the top couple of pass rushers in the program. Just just had that natural ability, and that's what they said about him at Shadow Creek. So there's a there's definitely a natural instinctive timing feel. Uh, to be in a pass rusher. That's a good question, though. Um, Brazar 10, who do you think will surprise or turn the most heads tomorrow? I think this is a great question. Um, you want me to go first, Ian? Uh, yeah. Um, I'm going to go – I'm going to go with A.D. Mitchell. Um, talk, I talked to a college assistant coach who knows a couple of guys on the Texas staff late last week. And they were kind of raving about what Mitchell looked like after he got comfortable in the scheme. Uh, he had some drops the day I was there, first day, second day, no. But physically, he looks a little different than the guys Texas runs out there at wide receiver um, or will with nay or out. Um, and he has that big playability, and he's put it on the board in much bigger situations in a spring game. So, And I think that's going to be something Quinn looks to get him the ball in positions to make plays for him tomorrow. Uh, so I think A.D. Mitchell is going to have a lot of opportunity to turn heads tomorrow. I don't know what you're thinking. Yeah, I think that's a good one. I will add, uh, you know, maybe Vasek. Yeah. I can see if, especially because, you know, he may get in there against like a 6-2 walk-on tackle or something and <laughs> just blow by. And then it's like, hey, this guy's a little different. Because I right. think he might be the, the – like he gets to the quarterback, right? He's one of those guys that we think will actually get to the quarterback. And yeah. as bad as Texas needs that, that may stand out tomorrow. And I'm going to throw one more at everybody. If he stands out in a big way tomorrow, you'll know you have a you'll know you have a future NFL draft pick, even though he's undersized. That's Byron Murphy. I, I found it interesting that Sarkeesian said he's one of the top couple of pass rushers they have. Oh, really? Yeah, he said that. He said that at a press conference a few days ago that he, he, he's been one of the top couple of pre, pass rushers they've had. And when you start talking about that guy from the interior, if that's true, well, one, your interior offensive line could not be as good. We'll see. But two, that's a natural progression for a guy like that that ends up being the six foot, 290 pound former running back that grew into a D line, but three technique type of body that is a really good athlete, okay, he's physical, he's strong year one, year two, makes some plays, but then year three becomes <clears throat> an all-around guy and he ends up being a draft pick. So for Texas fans, if Byron Murphy shows out tomorrow as an interior player rushing the passer and being very disruptive, that's going to be a great sign for Texas in 2023, in my opinion. Um, oh, this is this one is for you, Ian. Joseph M., has Ian talked about how bearish he is on Oklahoma yet? His tweets are pure or gold. <laughs> what are your general thoughts on OU before their spring game of goodies tomorrow? They just they have major holes. Yeah, they have major holes on defense. I was listening to uh, Gabe Eichert and Teddy Lehman's show. They have a show like this. They do a great yeah. job. I was I enjoyed <laughs> listening to it. If anybody gets a chance, um, and. Uh, they were just talking about like this defensive line is small inside. They their their ends look the part, but they it's like uh, the returning guys at least it look like Tarzan play like Jane. 
And then the interior guys are tiny. They have like a gazillion sub 290 pound guys in there. Um, they played mostly three down last year. And I think that was because they knew they would get mauled. They tried to play more of those guys. It's just, it's a bad fit for Venables. Like that is not how he did things at Oklahoma last time. That is not how he did things at Clemson. And the solutions are not coming easily. Like they missed on David Hicks. They missed on Overton in that first recruiting class. Yep. They ended up bringing in this skinny guy from Florida that came in. He's like 6'5", 270, and is nowhere near being ready to withstand a you know, Kansas State guard in his face. They haven't been able to sign defensive tackles. They've tried to go to the portal, but there really aren't defensive tackles in the portal, so they're getting guys from like Texas State. These are these are major systemic problems for them. And it's there's not easy solutions. Like you can get five Peyton Bowens, and if they're finding just gaping holes in front of them when they have to support the run, it's not going to save you. And the SEC is calling in a year. <laughs> I was going to say, this doesn't sound good for year one in the SEC unless they – they get size quickly. I could go on. I could go on for a while. I'm sure they're not going to be terrible because they still have NFL linemen. I don't really think Dylan Gabriel is that good, but he knows what he's doing. Yeah, they can run the ball. They'll score points. Their schedule is terrible, but I, I, I am. There's. I don't think there's any way that they compete for a Big Twelve championship. Yeah. Okay. There you go. That's from Ian Jay, the activist. Thank you for that super chat. Came late. What's going on in basketball? Uh, laughing face. Um, we went through that a little bit. Um, Max Admus, uh, Oral Roberts guard. This is He's visiting Kansas State this weekend, Texas, Kansas State. They're battling for him. We'll see if Baylor gets in there. But I think right now it's expected to be Texas or Kansas State. But we're in the wild, wild west of NIL. So let's see what happens. Uh, I think Texas felt pretty good about it. But this is a real battle. People were putting in crystal balls for Max Admus to Texas yesterday. I was told that that deal was not done and this was still a recruiting battle. Now he's going to K-State this weekend. So in Texas, working on getting him in next week. So we'll see what happens there. Caden Shedder, the big out of Virginia. I think Texas is in a pretty good spot there. He just had a minor surgical procedure. So he's going to back up his visits a couple of weeks. Um, Missouri's in that. Kansas State's very much in that. I don't think he's going to do because of today. Could that change tomorrow? Sure. Uh, but I don't think so as of today. And I think Xavier's in it, but I think they're – uh, on the peripheral there. And then there's a <clears throat> 6465 guard that Texas really, really likes. I'm leaving his name out right now, um, but a good chance he visits early next week, and uh, he's a really good player. Um, and then they're talking to a couple other guys, Biggs, Caleb Boone out of Oklahoma State. You know, I think these two comes back more than likely, um, but I still think they'd look at that second big in the portal, somebody like a Caleb Boone. But they want somebody like a lot of people brought up CSA from Oklahoma State. That doesn't really interest Texas. They, the guy's got to have some offensive ability. He, they, Texas, I, ideally, I think wants to play a little bit like Miami, how Miami does. But I want, I think they want to do it with a six ten guy, a rim protector, and nothing against a really good rebounder from Miami. But I think they want a six ten guy to defend the paint a little bit more than he could. Uh, but I think that's what you're looking at as far as a stylistic play. But Texas wants to be able to go big with two bigs at a time at times, then go small with four guards. But that's why they're going to recruit a little more guard height and length out of the portal and in the high school ranks in the future years. Um, <clears throat> Jay Lee, $5, $5 super chat. Thank you. Has anyone heard anything about Michael Taft? I may have missed something on that, but I've heard he's had a good spring. I don't know about you, Ian. I haven't heard if there's some something late news on him. Well, he's got an NFT, some sort of NFT deal with a company that includes <laughs> Britt Hager on it. 
So <laughs> you can check that out on his Twitter and, and buy a little avatar or something. I don't really know how that stuff works. I'm not going to buy it, but um, he, uh, we had in the humidor today that he, he makes a lot of plays. That's probably, I think they, they probably have him in the boundary a lot and that's his more natural position. Um, so you're just around the action more there positionally, but hard hitter, pretty athletic, good upside. And when he doesn't have to, when, the closer he is to the action, the better. So the fact that he's playing there and drawing reviews, positive reviews is a good sign. I don't know. I don't know if he'll always just be a depth piece for Texas or if there's ever going to be a year where he starts, I guess we'll see. But I, he, at the very least, he's probably going to be a two deep guy for three years, four years. There you go. That's for Ian Boyd of Inside Texas. Taking a second now, our sponsor, Andy Ludicky. Thank you, Andy Ludicky, for everything he does for On Texas Football and the Longhorn live stream on Fridays. Are you looking to diversify? Yeah, you may be someone like Bobby Burton that has their hands in multiple businesses. Well, Andy can help you diversify by finding you businesses that fit your time allotment and financial goals. Call him or email him to learn more. He's got a really cool process. Bobby talks about it all the time. He did this process. Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Again, thank you to Andy Ludicky for all he does for On Texas Football and the Longhorn live stream. Again, everybody, give Andy Ludicky a try. He's really, really good at what he does. Uh, here's a question. Hit the like button if you think Bobby should appear in his car today while Jerry is free. <laughs> That's a good question. Um, Bobby, I, you know, yeah, yeah. Well, let, let's text Bobby. Let's see if he'll show up in a car. We'll see. Uh, that's a funny question. I like that. Uh, Colton has a really interesting question. Ian, can Anthony Hill put together a similar season to Harold Perkins' 2022 freshman season for LSU? I say no. I, th I think Har one thing about Harold Perkins is seeing both of those guys in high school, Harold Perkins is a complete freak athlete. I mean, total freak athlete. I mean, I think he's going to run high – four threes at the NFL combine at 225 pounds one day. I think he is that level athlete. And so just as a freshman, that guy could be out of position and just make a play. I mean, he had such speed. And like you said, they used him spying. So, you know, he could sit there and maybe on a delay blitz, he gets there so fast. And he just, he gets there to ball so fast. I think Anthony Hill doesn't have that level athletic ability. Um, so I don't see him having a seven and a half, eight sack season the same way Harold Perkins did. Could he? I don't know, Ian. Perkins also played nickel last year. And they just, yeah. they schemed up their defense where he wouldn't actually have to, you know, do the kinds of things that Jedi Barron does. Like he'd come free off the edge and a safety would replace him or they'd just keep a safety over the top. They really had to bend over backwards to get him on the field in that spot. And that's why they're not playing him there again this year. It's because it that was not going to work again. Teams were going to teams were going to start to dial in on him. But yeah, he's like, you know, he could play out there. He has a different level of speed and range. Anthony Hill is a box player, a pure box player. And those guys just don't play yeah. early very often because the things you the reaction times you get are so limited um you don't get to defend space like perkins did you have to defend kelvin banks so. right and, and and for those that don't know harold perkins played running back safety linebacker in high school i mean he he was a space player 
yeah. uh, for sure. And, and he really fit that. And to Ian's point now, here's the difference. Harold Perkins wasn't going to develop as a linebacker doing that. So what they do, they move them inside this year. I think that's interesting for Harold because I'm guessing that was a pretty big move in Harold's eyes for his development as an NFL draft pick. Um, that's just my guess there, uh, knowing a little bit about Perkins' situation. Um, he's going to – he's in he's in line for definitely for a sophomore slump. Yeah. yeah. He's going to have to do now what Malik Jefferson did for his first few years at Texas. Right, right. Uh, and if he ends up being close to Derek Johnson, well, LSU's got a hell of a player. <laughs> so uh, I don't think he is. I don't think he's that. Um, question here, since Texas is taking their time with recruiting, is it going to hurt us by not signing a top 10 class? Well, I think that's a really good question. And let's, by the way, there's two big time visitors amongst a group of really good visitors. Number one, running back Jarrett Gibson's back on campus again this weekend. Top running back uh, target for 2024 out of IMG Academy. And I do think he ends up at Texas as of today, but the two big time guys, Brandon Baker out of, uh, uh, Santa Ana, modern day, uh, the number one ranked offensive tackle in the country. And Daniel Calhoun, the number five ranked offensive tackle in the country out of the Atlanta area, Walton High, whose father played linebacker, Alabama. College coaches seem to think those are the top two, really, though, on a lot of boards from what I'm hearing. Uh, but having both those guys on campus for the spring game is big because they've been trying to get Brandon Baker. It got canceled a couple times. He was just at Florida State and Georgia. Now Brandon Baker, you see there, will be at Texas. Uh, with his family, they, they should be getting in here in about four or five hours. Uh, Daniel Calhoun, this is one's very interesting to me, Ian, uh, because if you follow visits, um, Daniel Calhoun was on campus last April before he was really a household name in recruiting. He already has a June 23rd through 25th official visit set. He's coming here in his family to, today to Austin for the spring game. That to me kind of is like, okay, Texas may be in a little better position. I'm not saying they're beating out Georgia and Alabama for the one of the top offensive tackles in the country and Tennessee, who's in Atlanta. That's a would be a very rare occurrence. But what I am saying is Texas obviously has a legit puncher's chance because they're coming on their own dime now. And then they come back for an official visit in June. So just remember that with Daniel Calhoun. We'll see where it goes. He visits Georgia the second through fourth. That's Georgia's big weekend. Alabama, the 9th through 11th, that's Alabama's big weekend. Tennessee, 16th through 18th, that's Tennessee's big weekend. Texas, 23rd through 25th, that is Texas' big weekend. Another guy who's visiting that weekend, Jarrett Gibson. He's making all four of the same visits the same weekends. So we'll see if uh, Jarrett Gibson and Daniel Calhoun form a little friendship there, but because um, we know Jarrett Gibson and Cedric Baxter have. That's interesting. You would think that they could have a – both these guys, I would have thought the modern day guy would be the easier shot for Sark, but I guess I guess not. But they have a pitch for either of these guys because Banks is going to be one Last and year. done yep. when, they, when they come. So, yep. and look, and the reality is, Christian Jones is gone after this year, and Cam Williams is, you know, I mean, look, Cam Williams is a good enough prospect. I'm not, I, I'm putting the cart way before a horse. He's a good enough prospect that he could start one year and be out. I mean, that's the level That's the level of talent we're talking about with a guy like that. So um, if he comes on and has a good – I actually, he's my other guy in the spring game. I'm really interested to see. Uh, so since Texas is taking their time, uh, the top 10 class, we'll get to uh, Ronnie Blunson's question in a second. Since Texas is taking their time, are they not going to sign a top 10 class? I, I, I wouldn't say that. Um, I would say Sark and these guys have proven that they're – they're very 
they play the game. They play the long game in recruiting, and it's worked for them two classes in a row. And I think it's easier to do for the Blue Bloods because, you know, you can go in the portal and go get Ryan Watts, Gavin Holmes, Jalen Catalan down the list, right, of starters. Um, but I wouldn't count Texas out on a top 10 class because they have a lot of highly ranked kids that are going to officially visit here in June. And a lot of the top targets for Texas, those kids aren't making decisions until July, August, right after the June visits or right before their senior season. So let's see what happens in June before we say Texas may not have a top 10 class. Um, and get back to that super chat question. That was Ronnie Blunston. Hearing great things about Malik Muhammad on Inside Texas. How do we? How much do we expect from him tomorrow? Look, Malik Muhammad is advanced technically coming out of high school. Um, he has also gone up against big-time guys. He has played in state championships, right? Um, he's played against John Tay Cooks and Duncanvilles. He's matched up with really good players. I just don't think the guy has – I don't think he's the normal freshman corner. And I'm not saying he's the absolute physically most talented corner either, but I'm saying he's not the normal freshman early and early corner. He's a little more prepared than those guys. What are you kind of expecting from him tomorrow? Yeah, the things I've heard too are, are pretty promising. He's probably would have been a good surprise. Like if you're going to bet on a guy to, to get a pick, that would be a good one, uh, I would think. Especially well, – I mean – so I guess we don't know what the teams are like because they're not doing the first team versus second team. So, you know, he may spoil the day for Ewers or Murphy or Arch or somebody. Um, I would expect probably a lot. Yeah. Tomorrow. Joseph Downing, good question here. Okay, sorry. Is Julian Lewis a real option twice he's been on campus, Jay the Activist? Look, that's way out there for us in quarterback recruiting. I mean, we're 24 here. Uh, but if you've been on campus multiple times with Steve Sarkeesian, look, I mean, look, it, Texas needs Quinn to be have a good year and go to the draft and be a draft quarterback. Then they need to set the tables for Arch Manning. He's a really good player. And I'm not discounting Malik Murphy, but let's be real here. Arch Manning is the next quarterback, and he ends up being a really good player and is a high draft pick. If these things start to take shape, then any quarterback Sarkeesian wants to get in, they're gonna in on, they're gonna be in on. That's just the reality of this. If Sark's resume carries over to where he starts adding the Texas part to that resume, then any of these quarterbacks that are fit the scheme but can make all the throws. Sarkeesian's big on that. He says it all the time: make all the throws. If the, if those are guys that can make all the throws and Sarkeesian goes after him, then, yeah, they're going to be in the hunt for him. So he's been on campus twice. He'll be on campus again in June, I'm quite sure. Uh, Joseph Downing, does Cam Williams hold down the guard spot, right guard, or does Hudson or DJ come back and reclaim the spot? I think this is a great question, Ian, because if Cole Hudson was healthy, he was going to battle for left guard, and DJ Campbell was going to be the starter right guard, um, and Cam Williams would have – was going to learn both tackle spots is what he was doing early in spring, just in drills and whatnot. Now with the DJ Campbell injury, Hudson, not there. Um, Cam Williams got a chance tomorrow to really turn some heads. Um, I think Cam Williams has more talent than those two guys, as far as upside talent. I mean, he's just a large human being that is very strong. That's that is just now starting to really understand. I've heard the last half of the spring has been really good for him. I I don't know what your thoughts are, Ian. Does his uh, rise in the last half of spring have to do with playing at guard or just regardless at tackle? I've heard it's I've heard it's just hand placement, the the things, right? Like when we're at the open media session, the second one, 
and I was down there watching the offensive line and DKR. There were two guys who Kyle Flood corrected a little bit more in hand placement stuff, and Cam Williams is one of them. And and that's not unexpected, right? So I, I've heard he's really kind of come on from a technique standpoint and kind of things are clicking for him the last half of the spring. If, if that happens, you're talking about a, a big-time NFL draft pick. That's just the, the frame and the athleticism are what they are. I, I mean, I guess so. I, I would, right now I would bet on them just running back the same five as last year because this spring has just not been what – it really needed to be for DJ to steal a spot. Um, I think Hudson is a pretty good, reliable player. But um, I don't know. I, yeah, I guess I, I need to see Cam Williams tomorrow. It's it's hard to gauge. It's hard to gauge where he's at right now because just haven't seen just haven't seen a ton of him. Yeah. This, Sark Sark will get him on the field if he's one of the best five. Right. We know that much. Yeah, I agree with that. And by the way, I expect Cam Williams and Neto to – I expect Cam and Neto to look really good tomorrow, especially in the run game. Uh, last question here. It's the Longhorn live stream. This is a great one to end on. Aaron Ochoa. Um, we Somebody asked about the combine, but I think this is, a good, this is a good question to end on before the spring game tomorrow because of the way he asked this question. Again, Jerry Hamilton and Ian Boyd of Inside Texas here on the On Texas Football Friday Longhorn live stream. Aaron Ochoa, I know it's early, but how many Texas football players – could, will be potential draft picks after next season. And the reason he asked, trying to gauge the talent level on this team. Uh, by the way, thank you for the kind words. Ian, let's, uh, let's let's go through this real quick because we did a little bit earlier. So let's start with seniors on offense. Um, Christian Jones is a draft pick guy. Um, of the seniors, is he may, maybe Whittington? Maybe. I'm not sure. Um, he's just still not a supernatural wide receiver, right? Um, then you get to the underclassmen on offense. Jatavion Sanders, if he has a good year, he should go pro. If he doesn't, I mean, I don't know. Um, Xavier Worthy, if he has a good year, will be go pro. A.D. Mitchell, if he has a good year, will go pro. If Isaiah Naylor catches six touchdowns, he's going pro after an ACL, right? I mean, so yeah. let's just we're being real about this, okay? Um so there's some guys right there, right? I mean, that's a pretty good number of guys. Then you go to defense. And Ewers, and, too. And Ewers, if he has a good year. Hopefully he has a great year and goes in the second or third round. That means Texas will have won 10, 11, or 12 games. Yeah. Um, defense. Edge, let's leave that one off. I think that's a total wild card. Sweat, yes. Alfred Collins, if he ever plays up to his potential, yes. And if Byron Murphy becomes, like I said, if he looks like he has interior pass rush skills, then yeah. he suddenly becomes a guy. Right, gone. gone, gone, yeah, gone. And then you get to the secondary, um, Jalen Ford at linebacker, right? Then you get to Gavin Holmes, yep. Uh, Terrence Brooks has to play one more. Then you get to if Catalan is healthy, Jaron Thompson draft pick, probably not. What um, about Jedi Barron? Jedi Barron would, would Jedi Barron, yeah. So, I mean, look, this is the most NFL just having this discussion. This is the most Texas has had since 2018, yeah, easily. They're gonna they're gonna end up getting at least five guys drafted next year. Yeah, which is really a lot, actually. And if in and, and so here's the way to look at it for the Texas fan: if next year at this time, two weeks before the draft, we're talking about Quinn Ewers is he a second or third round pick? Xavier Worthy where he's going to get picked? Ad Mitchell where he's going to get picked? Texas will have had a hell of a good season. That's the and that's the only way. I can, that's the best way I can put it is. If all these guys have seasons where they can go pro, 
and, and it's an easy decision to go pro, Texas is going to have had a hell of a season. And I think that's a good way to leave it. Uh, spring game tomorrow on LHN. Inside Texas on Texas football will have you covered. There will be multiple guys there. Myself, Eric Nolene, I believe Justin Wells, Joe Cook, Bobby Burton. Ian will be watching it, breaking it down. Uh, so uh, come on, head on over to Inside Texas. Four months for a dollar right now. Great recruiting coverage. You can gripe about basketball and recruiting. But, hey, it's portal season in football and basketball, man. It's going to be fun. Rodney Terry's going to get good players. That I'll tell you. Uh, so, again, head on over to Inside Texas. And thank you to Ian Boyd. Uh, and thank you to everybody for uh, tuning in to On Texas Football on this Friday Longhorn live stream. You guys have a great weekend and a great spring game.